watching the events in space and wondering what the final effect would be. Astronomers argued over theory, while engineers got pretty excited about variables in magnetic fields. Mystics predicted earthquakes and the end of life as we knew it. came, it was almost unnoticed, because it happened to such a small and insignificant form of life. That was the opening music to Phase 4, released in 1974, and it stars Nigel Davenport, Michael Murphy, and Lynn Frederick, and... Do you have the studio that released it? It was released by Paramount Pictures in September of 1974. And uh, it did not have a big budget, but I didn't find anything on the box office uh, how it did. I, I have a feeling it didn't do well. I don't think it did very well either. And I think it's been kind of lost a little bit in terms of being a, a, actually a good movie. You can you can watch this movie on YouTube. I found a link to the entire movie on YouTube, which I'll put on the webpage. Oh, Plus, even I'll put, better. I'll put a link to the alternate ending. There's a five-minute alternate ending that's really trippy. You sent that to me, and I haven't uh, watched it, uh, but I will. I, it uh, it reads as though it's quite a quite a different ending, or it puts a different perspective on the film. Shall we introduce ourselves? So I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from the Seattle area today. And I'm Bob Johnson. I'm recording here in Los Angeles, and we're glad you're back with us. I watched this movie for the first time, and I really enjoyed it. But I also got a really new and heightened appreciation for ants. <laughs> because of the drought here, the ants have been very prevalent on the uh, sidewalks out in front of the house and I'm keeping an eye on them so that they don't get any closer but after watching this movie I'm, I'm a little nervous getting too close to them who knows do you have color coded insecticide handy <laughs> <laughs> not not here in the office okay because uh, that's that's something that they used in the movie they, they had know. yellow and they had orange and blue they only ended up using the yellow one, though. I really uh, appreciated the, the the way the movie set up and the uh, for whatever their budget was, they really got their money's worth the way they did it. You know, when they were inside that laboratory, even though it was a small space, it was really well done, very believable. I like the claustrophobic nature of the film. 
I so did I. You know, yeah. sometimes we complain that we wish that they had done something to make it feel bigger, kind of like in Westworld. We had complained yes. about that. But in this case, it works in the film's favor that everything feels very, like, small and claustrophobic. I think that's part of the reason I also like the Andromeda strain. Because yeah. the, most of the movie is in that uh, sunken uh, laboratory that they have various levels. So um, this was Saul Bass's only feature-length film that he directed. But he was well-regarded and famous as a graphic designer. And uh, he was a, a designer on Academy Award films such as North by Northwest. If you've ever seen that, the opening is is marvelous where it starts with these crossed lines and then they gradually turn into a glass building in Manhattan. It's a wonderful opening sequence. And he also did the graphic design on Psycho. Oh, yeah. And Vertigo. He did the opening to Vertigo. That's right. So he was very well thought of in that regard. Hang on a second. <laughs> is that... Are they after the ants? They're go yeah, they're going to get they're going to go rescue some people from the ants. So you so, said you said that going into this movie you were kind of thinking it might be a little bit cheesy and maybe it kind of surprised you and how it was taken more seriously? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I th I don't know that I can come off the top of my head with a movie that I thought it was going to be like, but uh it was it was much better and it drew me in. Well, from the very beginning, it had a good script. I liked the uh, way the characters were presented. Uh, Nigel Davenport was gradually losing his mind. <laughs> uh, so, Michael, uh, yeah. I'd... Michael Murphy was trying to figure out what the heck was going on. One biologist, an Englishman, Ernest Hubbs, saw something, got nervous, and started investigating. While I was playing around with number theory at the university, Hubs was already onto something. Ordinary ants of different species were doing things ants don't do. Meeting, communicating, apparently making decisions. By summer, the rest of the world had moved on to other things. Hubs kept making notes while the threat grew. Only fragments of what he knew got out. He kept most of it to himself. So when I got into it, I didn't know a damn thing. Yes, yes. I wish I could think of an example of what I thought it was going to be you, like. You, you said it was. You, th you thought it was going to be a little bit more like Fantastic Voyage. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's far better than that. Although I like that movie, but this one is just so much more realistic. It, it, I could actually see this happening. Yeah, and it did kind of remind me of the Andromeda Strain in in a couple ways, like the claustrophobic feeling of the underground bunker compared pretty well to the claustrophobic feeling of that dome uh, lab that they had. And then sort of the biological threat of the virus 
versus yes. the, the biological threat of the ants was of similar. The, ants. Uh, the computer equipment, you know, was kind of similar in some ways too between the two movies. Who knows? They may have used it in in both movies. You never know. You know, I, I had I had to ask myself when when the movie starts and they go out to the desert where they have that development with the golf course and these homes. I thought to myself, who in their right mind would buy a house out there in the middle of this desert? It looked like there wasn't one tree or any green. Uh, it was just a big sand, like a sandbox. Yeah, but don't you think that that's that happens though? Like out in uh, around Las Vegas, or even around parts of Los Angeles, where the, it's starting to border into like some of the more deserty areas near the mountains and stuff. Yeah, it's just that this one looks so desolate, and the roads were were not even paved, and yeah, all these abandoned buildings. I thought, oh man, somebody put their money into that. Yeah, I wondered if people had left the village because, or that development because of the ants, or if they had left just because they ran out of money and they couldn't build any more homes. Or I, uh, it was weird how there was this just a deserted housing development out there, and then right on the edge of it were those towers those that the ants oh, had built. That was yes. so cool. It, it reminded me of Stonehenge in the United Kingdom. And that, that shot that I sent you a screenshot of uh, where they're standing in front of the towers, it really felt yes. like a sci-fi movie where they might be on another planet even. And it's so well presented. It looks so real. That's That's one of the things I really appreciated about the movie was the the design of all of the so the scenes and the scenery and the the sets and the way that he framed all the different shots i i really appreciated and that uh those uh, th those scenes with the ants too were really cool i thought they did a good job with the real ants they they were excellent they were done by a wildlife photographer a, a man by the name of uh, ken middleham and uh, he shot the insect sequences for the movie. And you could almost get a feel that, of how the ants were communicating. And when, they, when the ants were bringing that big clump of chemical, whatever it was, back to the queen, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were dragging it along and each one would die. And then the next ant would continue along so that they could alter their genetic makeup to, to uh, react to that chemical. I have to admit, too, that, that Nigel Davenport uh, immediately wanted to blow up those those uh, huge pillars out in the desert. Remember, he got out his rocket launcher, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. This guy was, he, he really uh, had no appreciation for what was going on. He couldn't, I don't think he could get past the fact that he thought he was going to conquer these insects. Yeah, his mission was to understand what was happening so that he could wipe them out, I think. And yes. His scientist teammate there, played by Michael Murphy, his name was James Lesko, was more of a cryptologist, kind of a computer scientist guy who was more interested in just deciphering the ant's language and kind of was missing the bigger picture of what was going on as well. So I think they both were so focused on their little niche of what they thought was happening that they really missed what was actually happening. I also like the uh, parallel to the Andromeda strain. I didn't know that we'd be doing this comparison. It just kind of comes to me 
because those scientists in the Andromeda strain thought they had it all figured out, and then they practically blew up the whole world. <laughs> yeah, if that's they right. had if they hadn't uh, gotten that one atomic uh, device to stop. So I really, I really liked it. I, I just, I like the move, uh, the music as well. I thought the music was kind of understated, but really helped set the mood of the of the film. And and different people wrote different kinds of music for it. There were four different musical people that wrote different sequences. Some wrote one kind, some wrote other kinds. I was surprised by that because usually there's one musical writer. I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay. I, I can't pronounce some of their names, but there were four of them. Each of them had a specific area to write music for. So uh, should we go through the plot a little bit, kind of uh, more uh, sequentially? Sure, fire away. So the movie opens up with a voiceover talking about this celestial event that, that has happened. And they really don't say anything about what it actually is other than there was a lot of wondering if there were going to be effects on the Earth from this uh, celestial event. And that the effect did happen, but everybody missed it because it happened to the ants. And then we open on a shot of a car driving down this desert road, kind of heat waves coming up and it, the car slowly comes into focus. Proposal. An immediate full-scale attack on the threat of biological imbalance to other life forms in the subject area. Mode of operation. An experiment station to be built and maintained with equipment sophisticated enough to control the problem and any potential consequences. Personnel, one senior scientist, myself, plus one associate, a qualified information specialist with cryptological background. In this connection, I have been impressed with the recent work of J.R. Lesko at the Naval Undersea Center at San Diego. I, uh, I like that it had a slow build, you know, it, it kind of yes. worked its way up to the climax of the movie on a, in a... In, in increments and i appreciated that and then they they well then they arrive at this desert community which looks like something from uh the sahara desert and there's no one there yeah it's totally deserted and uh nigel davenport plays dr ernest hubbs and he's the one who has commissioned this study and he's gotten funding from the government to set up this uh base camp near where they think there's been this this unusual ant activity because the ants are cooperating ants of different species are cooperating and they're killing off like wholesale all of their predators like spiders and snakes and every everything that would mice, mice anything, anything that, that would be a threat to them they're they're wiping out and you know Dr. Hubbs has noticed this and he's recruited James Lesko to come out and help him and we find out that James Lesko was really just going along because he wanted some time off. It was he was thinking of it as kind of a vacation. Boy, it was yeah. He didn't like what was turning into what it was turning into. He said, "I didn't sign up for <laughs> yeah, this. He was, what is going on?" He was in for a shock. 
so they set up their camp, and it's this really cool-looking dome uh, uh, lab with these strange sort of like protrusions out radiating from it with these these balls on the end of the these these tubes. And it's when you first see it, you're like, "What the heck? You know, what is that all about?" And then they go and they uh, go visit. There's one family that's kind of a holdout that that is still in the area, and they go visit this family. And give them a warning saying that, you know, you really need to leave. This isn't a safe place. There's some strange stuff going on. And, you know, they kind of poo-poo the idea of leaving. Well, yeah, the, the, the people that live there had this plan they thought would work where if they did have a lot of ants, they would set this gasoline on fire and they would keep them from getting into their compound. Now this thing here. See what we're doing? We're running lines from these fuel tanks, and if those ants get over that water trap, we're gonna set fire to this here ditch and watch them all burn. What do you think? You've done a lot of good work. <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work. work. It didn't work. So they got attacked by ants, and uh, they try to escape in this truck and there's three three kind of older adults and then we find out that there's a younger woman hiding out in the back of the truck played that's played by lynn frederick uh, her name is kendra eldridge in the movie they get attacked by ants while they're driving and and really it was more the older woman uh, mildred eldridge that causes the car wreck i think she freaks out because there's an ant there's ants inside the the cab of the truck and yeah, they got ants in their hair, and but we find out later that the ants had sabotaged the car. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they had deliberately designed some way to um, have the wreck occur. So this is so simultaneous to this happening. The ants are mounting an attack on the base uh, where Doctor Hubs and Doctor Lesko are are hold out. Dr. Hub says... They've got into the generator. Don't move. The backup unit cuts in automatically. Now I'm going to counter with 100% yellow. And we find out why they have those big balls out there. Yeah, and so he pushes this button and all this yellow, like... <laughs> really toxic looking chemical starts spraying out of these uh, spheres that are on the end of these tubes that radiate out from the from the dome and unfortunately it happens to catch uh, the eldridges in in the spray of this really toxic chemical and oh yeah it was, it was, it was awful I thought it was really a pretty frightening scene actually and when it's all done and they discover that it, it did kill a lot of the ants but there's millions and millions of them and when it killed the elder just the good doctor just is kind of like well you know come over here james this is really fascinating people are dead back there yes A tragedy i don't understand it they accepted the order. Why should they come here? Irrational behavior. Very sad. Now just look at this, James. Consider the execution of this maneuver. 
In order to explode the generator, they had to create a living chain... Listen, Hubs, those people are dead, don't you understand? People get killed sometimes. I think this yellow should hold its potency for three or four days. What a warm-hearted person he was. And and boy, Dr. Oh Lesko boy. is like, whoa, you know, this is uh, getting way out of hand here. This isn't what I signed up for. And, and then we find out that uh, Kendra had escaped the chemical attack, and she was inside of a, like an underground cellar in one of the nearby houses. And uh, so they bring her into the dome and kind of rescue her. Dr. Lesko is, is pretty adamant to Dr. Hubs, like, uh, we need to call in a helicopter. We need to get her out of here. We need to get us out of here. And Dr. Hubs is, you know, reassuring him, oh, yes, uh, uh, the helicopter's on its way. Yeah, it'll be here tomorrow, he said. But he's actually not even called anybody to, to order a helicopter in. <laughs> he's in it for the long at this, haul. At this point, have we moved to phase two in the movie? I think we have, yeah. So that's a good point. So at the very beginning of the movie... There's really not credit. There, there are really no credits that roll. It's sort of this uh, celestial event, sort of special effects showing the planets aligning with the sun and some weird stuff happening in space, and it just says Phase One at the top of the screen. And then I think right around this point, it's it goes to Phase Two, and the ants are now kind of on the offensive, right? They're they're becoming even more yes. aggressive. I made a note here, I, I really enjoyed the scenes where the ants are working together to accomplish their goals, because they were really organized. There were millions of them. And I was thinking when I, I was watching it, you know, I was like, is this, would this, is this just really a stupid premise for a movie, or, you know, what, what, what's going on here? And then I thought, well, just think if there were millions and millions of ants all working together for a common purpose, what they could achieve if they were directed by some kind of higher intelligence. And I thought, well... Okay, I'll go with that. Let's go with that and see where this movie takes us. <laughs> yeah, you have, to, you have to buy into that premise. But, you know, there were a lot of movies in the 50s that were about insects. Remember the movie called Them? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But there were lots of these. I remember going to every... It seemed like every month there was a new one. But this movie is not... I don't think this movie is in the same class as those. Like, this, to me, was more... No, no. More like the um, Andromeda strain. You know, it was more... Much, yeah, trying it, to be much was... more realistic. Much more believable, yeah. So the ants decide that they're going to um, build these miniature reflecting towers all around the outside of the dome. And when the sun comes up the next morning, the light reflects off of these these really shiny surfaces that the ants have constructed, and the dome starts heating up. And they also find out at the same time that the uh, chemical spray that they used really didn't work and that the ants had adapted to it and were now immune to the yellow spray. And Dr. Hub says, well, I guess we could shoot them with the red, but they're just going to adapt to that as well. So we've got to try something else. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. He never gave up. And uh, he did, he did, we did neglect to mention that he collected some ants when they were out investigating what had happened with the uh, yellow spray and uh, they bring those ants into the, the lab, and they're doing some experiments with the ants, and then Kendra walks in while they're doing these experiments and freaks out and shatters the containers where the ants are at, and one of the ants bites Dr. Hubs on the hand, 
which I think starts to contribute to his going crazy there near the end. Yeah, I, I do too. I half expected him to take that coat off and we'd see an arm that looked like something from the movie The Fly. Oh, yeah, that would have been cool. But it, it never occurred. But his hand did get really it, swollen and nasty looking, though. Man, that was a it, yeah. gross. And, it, and I think it got into his, uh, it altered his thinking a lot. Now we move to phase three, right? Yeah, I think phase three is kind of where the ants are, they kind of discover that the ants have been running an experiment on them. Because, right. because they, they figure out a way that they can communicate with the ants. And the, the ants send back a message to them. That They're sending back my message. Hubs, there's more. What does it mean? What the hell does it mean? The circle or the dot? feels in a maze. Rats in a maze. It's almost like a controlled experiment in which we are the subjects. Find out which rat is the smartest. The strongest. intelligence test. Could this circle be this place? And what does the dot represent? Could the dot be a person? Someone they want. Who could they want? They want somebody? I think so. But why would they want somebody? To talk to them. You mean they, they might be angry at someone who did them some harm? But what would they do with that person? I don't know. They let the others go free. And, and, and also, at the same time, the ants have gotten inside the compound or the laboratory, and they've t made the radio inoperable, and they've been doing and other they've, things. And they've blown up the air conditioning, and, and it's like yeah. they've pretty much stranded the three of them there. I mean, this is the point in the movie where you start to realize just how remote they are. And, you know, they, this is a time when they don't have cell phones, their radio doesn't work. They don't have any transportation because the the truck got blown up, and they're they're stuck there basically. Way out in the middle of the desert, where it's 110 degrees outside. And then the uh, the uh, young woman Kendra. I think she just. I think we're at the point where she decides that it's her fault that all this is going on, so she decides to leave, and that way she thinks that that will save the the. Uh, the two guys, Ernest and Jim, or James. Yeah, and so so she just yeah. 
wanders out. She just leaves, and then we don't see her again till the very end of the movie. And Dr. Hubbs has decided that, you know, what, what they really need to do, since these are ants, is that they really need to kill the queen. And if they can kill the queen, and he thinks he's located the queen, then yeah. they'll the, the the rest of the ants will just be in disarray, and they'll they'll be saved. So in his half crazed state, <laughs> with his arm that's now the size of a balloon, he gathers up uh, the instruments to find and and burn the the uh, queen ant. And I was totally surprised when he's wandering out toward you know where he thinks she is. And they'd set a trap for it. Oh, I know. Wasn't that great? He just disappears. Uh, wow. was cool because it was like like one of those uh, uh pitfall traps that they used to capture lions and stuff and yeah and he, he yeah. walked right into it and then like uh that was the like a million him. ants come pouring out of these holes that were on the side of that oh. pit and they basically just devour him alive they don't show it but you know that's what's happening well you know that because earlier in the movie they had uh, the ants had devoured that mouse or rat and they did show and you did they did see, show that you did see yeah. that so that was a, pre- a preview of coming attractions. So now it's up to, to Dr. Lesko, and he's he's decided that, okay, this is the last chance. He's got to try to get out of here, and I think he, he's going to try to destroy the queen. So he, he, gear, he gears up with his biohazard suit and a flamethrower or something, yeah, and he, he starts walking out into the, into the desert. And he doesn't get very far before the ants are able to work their way inside of his suit. And so he starts taking off yeah. the suit. And he's got no shoes on. He's he's pretty much totally vulnerable. And he gets to this weird-looking mound out in the desert, right? And we, we think this must be the, the queen's uh, cha- chamber or something like that. And he's looking down into this opening, and he kind of, like, slides it down into it. And I was thinking that the you know I was thinking the ants built this uh, they built this human size so that they could get him into this right. into this chamber. It was it was a trap and a and a funnel down to the chamber. So he gets down to the bottom and it's kind of this really uh, suspenseful music. And then you see these two hands kind of coming out of the sand, and you realize that it's Kendra. And she's not really Kendra anymore, I don't think. They've somehow kind of like reprogrammed her or modified her or something. They don't really explain what happens. There's so many parts of this movie that remind me of other science fiction movies. This particular scene reminded me of those movies. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh yeah, where the where the alien pods take over the human. 
and then they kill the real human and then they become a robot but but it, there's there's how many different science fiction movies have we referred to oh, quite, quite a, few. a few quite a few and but uh, you know honestly i think you have to watch this movie to appreciate it because i think even the way we're describing it it could come across as sounding kind of cheesy but it's it's really well put together and it really I mean, is the cinematography, the the script, the the graphic design of of everything. Just some of the shots are really iconic, I think, and and it has great production value. Yeah. Well, it has an eighty three percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I know that's pretty high, actually. It's pretty high, and uh, I I found no references to the movie on our favorite American Film Institute. I haven't I haven't seen anything on that. But I have a quote here that I really like. Somebody wrote this. Watch it watch it late at night with the lights out and you'll get plenty freaked. I I would agree. That's very well done. So remember when we, we reviewed Beat the Devil with Humphrey Bogart and we were thinking this is like a lost classic and boy this is gonna be really good and it's probably underappreciated and it, it kinda of turned out that it was it was lost for a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I really think this is a lost classic. I think this needs to be seen by more people, and and I think it was influential in in some movies that came afterwards. And I wish that Saul Bass had made some more movies. I thought he did a good job. I I, I guess uh, the studio also didn't really put a lot of backing behind it to promote it and market it. And uh, yeah, that was it for him. So we don't. So we don't really know what happens at the end, except you kind of get the the sense that that the two of them, uh, Kendra and James, are are the beginning of like a new human ant hybrid race kind of thing. Like <clears throat> I, I thought that maybe the humans had been genetically altered to to be more ant like, and that they were gonna they were gonna take over the the, the world. You know. <laughs> I love the way that at the end the two humans are standing there. And he says, We knew then we were being changed and made part of their world. We didn't know for what purpose, but we knew we would be told. And that's then that's the end of the movie. But you, uh, there's an alternate ending that you've sent me, and I haven't seen it, so I'm going to yeah, watch so, that. Yeah, so, you know, you can watch the whole movie on YouTube, and then you can watch the alternate ending on YouTube, and I I think the alternate ending is really cool, but I don't know that it really adds anything to the movie. I, I can kind of see why they took it out, but it's fun to watch anyway, just for the the spectacle of it. It's It's really, really weird. Well, I recommend the film, and I gave it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, boy, I, I was gonna go with the seven too, but after talking about it tomorrow, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go with an eight. An eight out of ten. Yeah. I don't remember what we gave Andromeda Strain, but I think we're in the seven or yeah, eight we were, range we were up on there. With, I think we gave it a a seven, but there were some things in the Andromeda Strain that really bothered me, and I there weren't anything, there weren't things in this movie that really stood out as as being really bothersome. I mean, Kendra. Uh, Lynn Frederick wasn't the best actress in the world, and she didn't make a lot of movies, but she was adequate to the task. I mean, she I thought she played the part fine. Uh, and we kind of talked last week about some of the scandals surrounding her and her marriage to um, P. 
Peter Sellers. Oh, Peter Sellers. That's right. I'd forgotten that. So she's kind of... She looks very young in the movie, like she's about 15 or something. I, I thought so, too. I think there was a pretty big age difference between the two of them. But, but anyway, I thought she did fine. And I thought Michael Murphy and Nigel Davenport, I thought that was really good casting for those two particular characters. So. Oh, I do, too. And Michael Murphy's had quite a good career. He's been in a lot of different movies, a lot of different kinds of movies, Nashville. And he had a television show called Tanner. Yeah. Which Robert Altman, I think, had put together. So he's... He's still active. He's pretty recognizable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It said... It, I wrote. I read about his background. He typically plays people that are sort of corrupt or not on the up and up, usually in a suit. Yeah. But not in this movie. This movie, he was sort of the good guy, I thought. Like, he was, he he was, was the, yeah. the protagonist, the hero. Um, and also a bit naive. Yeah, yeah. He didn't really understand Which I liked. what was going yeah. on. We were kind of seeing things through his perspective, I think, and that we didn't know what was happening either. So, yeah, good movie. We recommend it. And, uh, we do. You should definitely check it out. I guess for next week, we haven't quite reached a decision on what we're going to do for our next podcast. We have several choices. Yeah, we were... So it'll be a surprise. Well, it'll be a surprise. We were going to do The Court Jester, but it's not available on Netflix, and or you can't get a DVD of it through Netflix, and to buy it, it's really expensive. So I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, we'll find something that is a little bit more reasonable and, and available and, and uh, review that one for next week. So I guess for this week, or this podcast, it's uh, time to wrap it up. Yeah, so thanks for listening, it's, everybody, and it's... Uh, been fun as always dad and uh it is this is matt johnson coming to you from seattle this is bob johnson in los angeles and we're wishing you a great week of movie watching Here's, a, here's, a, here's something that I didn't see before. A tagline for the movie was, Ravenous invaders controlled by a terror out in space commanded to annihilate the world. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where did you find that? That's out? on the IMDb page right under the storyline section. It's under taglines. <laughs> oh, okay. It was filmed in Africa. Wow. Yeah, I saw that... Uh... And it was supposed to be uh, in, taking place in Arizona, but they filmed it, I think, in Kenya? Yeah, Rift Valley. Huh. No wonder it looked like it was in the middle of the African desert. <laughs> yeah. Because it was. <laughs> That's where it was. <laughs>